The fanfare of a lone trumpet sounded as a small, round lady made her stately entrance. Her hair was pulled back into a tight bun and topped with a large golden crown that threatened to slip over one eye. Pinned to the blue silk sash that she wore over one shoulder was a gold brooch as big as her fist. Though unnaturally small for a lady of her advanced years, her substantial girth, coupled with the imperiousness of her expression, more than made up for any deficiency of stature, and she brandished her scepter as though it were a bludgeon. The footman bowed. There was no mistaking her. It was, without question, the Empress of India, Her Majesty Queen Victoria herself. The old man whispered something to the footman. Hurriedly he stepped forward and presented the treasure chest to the queen. She received it with stately froideur. Then, unable to contain her glee, she grinned at the villainous old man. He winked at her and blew out the candle. Abruptly the darkened room was filled with light. The queen curtsied, her skirts held wide. Then she clapped her hands. Well, she demanded, jumping up and down, can you guess? Mirabel glanced over at Edward as the Charterhouse children began excitedly to shout suggestions. He stood with one elbow propped on the corner of the mantelpiece and one long leg crossed over the other, a faint smile on his lips. Behind him a housemaid quietly drew back the curtains. The weather had not improved. The wind rattled the window sashes, sweeping the rain across the terrace in veils. Beyond the lawn the sodden trees huddled together like cattle. Treasure, chest, eyed, steel, gold. No, look, he's pointing at himself. It's him. The first syllable is him. Old man, thief, crook. We're getting warmer, a particular crook, then. Charades had been Arthur's idea, of course. Ordinarily, released from the strictures of their London lives, his children behaved at Oakwood like animals returned to the wild, coming into the house only to eat and to sleep, but it had been a miserable Easter, the wettest anyone could remember. Confined indoors, they had relied heavily upon their father's passion for parlour games. In the afternoons, when in other years there might have been croquet or riding or an outing to the beach at Cooden, Arthur gathered the entire party together in the drawing-room for frenzied contests of Hunt the Slipper and Blind Man's Buff. Several of his games were so outlandish that Maribel could only assume that he invented them on the spot. The previous day the party, swelled by several neighbouring families invited for luncheon, he had insisted upon playing something he called Poor Pussy, in which one of the players was required to crawl on all fours among the assembled company, meowing piteously. The other participants were then obliged to declare, Poor Pussy, with the gravest of expressions. Any player whose mouth so much as twitched was seized upon immediately and set in turn on their hands and knees. The Charterhouse children had demonstrated an alarming aptitude for the sport and had frowned grimly at one grovelling victim after another until Arthur, in a fit of impatience, had taken it upon himself to be pussy and had wound himself around his children's legs, rubbing his head against them and purring with the combustive power of a steam engine until they wept with mirth. So like Fagin, but not Fagin. He's pointing at his nose. Nose. Hook. Jew. Jew is right. Jew, that's the word. Not the whole word, you silly, the first syllable. How many syllables are there?
Three, of course, don't you ever listen? Not to you, or I'd die of boredom. From across the room, Edward caught her eye and smiled. Maribel smiled back, and straight away she thought again of the letter hidden in her writing box, and the smile tightened over her teeth. To distract herself, she fumbled in her bag for her cigarette case. Edward had bought it for her in Mexico City just after they were married. The soft silver was scratched now, the initials on the small raised placketed centre almost rubbed away. She struck a match and inhaled, sucking in the shock of the harsh Egyptian tobacco. Beside her on the Chesterfield, little Matilda wriggled restlessly, pressing her small fingers into the buttoned cavities of the upholstery. Arthur disapproved of Maribel smoking, of course, but then she disapproved of charades, and Arthur had never paid the slightest heed to that. In Arthur's world, only fast women smoked. What words begin with Jew?